It's the 23rd of March, 2021. We've come together to train ourselves in developing mindfulness, cultivating samadhi, cultivating our minds. And this is in order to give our minds the ability and the energy to fight with all the feelings that occur within our hearts, to struggle against all of that which we experience from our environment, that um, we receive these sense impressions, we receive all these sounds, sights, tastes, etc. And the mind comes to know about these. And so a person may ask, well, if we don't have, or if we try to run away from these things, we don't experience them, then will we be able to see the Dhamma? And if someone is intelligent, then when their eye sees a form, then it's possible for this to give rise to faith, such as a faith in the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha. Just like Venerable Sariputta, before he ordained, he saw Venerable Asaji, and uh, there was great faith which arose within him through seeing that sight. And then he listened to the Dhamma uh, that Venerable Asaji taught him, and he was able to understand that Dhamma. Understand that all phenomena, all things arise due to a cause. And when that cause is absent, then that thing will cease, essentially arising and ceasing, and he was able to understand that. And Venerable Sariputta had great wisdom. He was uh, able to teach the Buddha's disciples in the place of the Buddha, along with Venerable Mahamogalana. And uh, that was because he had these sense faculties which were working, because his eye saw a form, and this faith arose within him. He was able to gain wisdom through listening and reach the level of sotapanna. Uh, But if our sense organs experience a sense impression, there's this contact there, so our eye sees a form, the ear hears a sound, um, and we don't have wisdom in our hearts, then this just gives rise to inner confusion and chaos. And uh, even though it's chaotic, it's something that we don't need to worry too much about. Um, But initially, we try to escape from them first. And what that means, escaping from these sense impressions, is to cultivate samadhi. And samadhi essentially is the suppression of these aramanas, all of these sense impressions, bringing the mind to peace. But it's a peace that that doesn't come about because of wisdom just like putting a rock on top of grass. Uh, When we remove that rock, then that grass will grow again because the roots are still there within the earth. It's just by putting the rock on top, it doesn't get direct sunlight, it doesn't get water, and so it doesn't grow. So samadhi is the suppression of these aramanas, um, these sense impressions. And for those who are skilled in samadhi, um, they can bring about inner peace to one level, the level of samadhi. Uh, but some people, they cultivate a wrong kind of samadhi, what we call micha samadhi, and they go down the wrong path. But samma samadhi, this means correct samadhi, 
is that which takes us along the right path. So we see that with all things that we do, in order to succeed, we need samadhi. There needs to be this collectedness, this um, attention there in the mind, just like when we study at school, we need samadhi. And for those who don't have much samadhi, uh, or we could refer to that as people who have a short attention span, then they're just not able to stay with the subjects that's being taught. They're not able to receive those, to learn them well. And likewise with our occupations, we need samadhi there as well. And we also need to have wisdom. So the samadhi, this collectedness, the firmness of mind, which gives rise to freedom, that takes us to freedom, that is correct, right samadhi. That's one of the factors in this noble path that the Buddha taught, this correct path, a path that takes us to understanding things clearly. And what we understand are the things that we are now deluded in. And uh, we see that this delusion has been with us since we were born. Or we could take it back even further than that. And we've been deluded for many, many lifetimes. But it's not necessary to go that far back. Just think about this lifetime. That ever since we were born, there's this constant presence of ignorance, of delusion there. Believing firmly that I have a me. There is a me here. I have possessions. There's a them and their possessions. And uh, this is something which has always been with us. And when it comes up and we um, experience all of these sense impressions, many, many kinds of sense impressions, um, ever since we were born, then many problems can arise. So just like how we experience praise and blame, we experience gain and loss, um, status and loss of status, pleasure and pain. But we should take these experiences and think them through, contemplate them. Who is it? that is blamed? And who is it that is praised? Who is it that gains? Who loses? Who experiences status? Who loses their status? Who feels pleasure? Who feels pain? And if our minds are well established, they're firm, they're settled, if wisdom is present, well, sorry, if they're well established, then wisdom will be present, it'll arise. And we'll see that really these things, they're not actually there. The one who gossips, the one who receives that gossip, they're not actually there. There's no me. The person who uh, criticizes, who blames, they're not there. And so when we understand things to be this way, we'll see that there really is not a presence of self there, it's anatta. If our samadhi is well established, then wisdom can be born in this way. We gain this clarity of insight like this, and we don't have any doubts. So what wisdom really means is a thorough, all-round knowing. And what is it that we know about? We know about the sankharas, these conditioned phenomena. So a sankhara is something, anything, that has um, conditions giving rise to it. There are material kinds of sankhara, and there are immaterial kinds of sankhara. And uh, so the material side are the things which need to deteriorate, which need to decay, such as people, or the bodies of animals, and the things which the mind comes and resides in and attaches to. 
And there are also these things which are not sentient, such as trees or mountains or buildings, things which people construct. These too are material things. And the things of this world, or the things out there in space, in the universe as well, all of these things are unstable and constant. So rupa is that which needs to deteriorate. It has this nature of degeneration. And nama, this mentality, is something more subtle. But the mind still attaches to it as being me, all the same. And uh, so if we see anything, um, then why is it that we gain that sight? It's because there is an eye there, and there is light, and there's a form. And so that light, it hits the retina of the eye, and then this experience of seeing arises. But if our retina is damaged, um, or it's not good, then even though there's the presence of this form, there's light there, and there's also an eye there, but because the retina isn't functioning well, then this feeling of sight doesn't arise. And uh, But still the mind knows that it's not seeing, that the eye isn't good. And so... Uh, it takes it as me who isn't seeing. But when wisdom arises, um, we'll see that there isn't actually a me there. Um, that the sight and all it entails, it, it, it needs a lot of causes and conditions for a sight to come up. And the knowing of that is just vinyana, is the sense consciousness. And uh, so there is sense consciousness that arises over sight or over the eye, over sounds and the ear, and then odors and uh, tastes, tactile sensations, and also the sense consciousness over all the things that arise within the heart. And uh, it's likewise with uh, memory as well, that if our memory is not good, um, there are some things which we can't remember. So people's names, for instance, um, that we just can't recollect their name. But we get deluded and we say that I am the one who has forgotten. But really it's just the memory. It's just memory that isn't really working very well. Or like if someone scolds us, then we don't like that and we suffer. If someone says something pleasing, then we enjoy that and we feel happy. In all of these things which we experience from the world, um, we respond to them by liking them or disliking them, by giving rise to feelings of love and hate and fear and anger. And there's always a me and an other there. But if we contemplate well, we'll see that there really is no them. And to take things as an I is just not right. They are not present and I, this I, is not correct. That all of these things, they just follow the laws of nature, which is that of anicca, dukkha, anatta, of inconstancy or instability, of uh, stress and of not-self. And so here is where wisdom can arise, but it relies upon this basis of samadhi. And when it comes up, then we're able to let go. So if we're going to give a very short summary 
of the practice of the Dhamma, of the teachings of the Buddha. What that is, is that we know things in line with nature, and then we let go. And if wisdom arises from this basis of samadhi, um, then a clear knowledge, a clear insight will occur. Um, And this knowledge arises within the nature of sankharas, that all of these conditioned phenomena just follow their nature. And through understanding this, we gain freedom from suffering. But this may just happen for a period of time, however. But we still contemplate, um, we come back, we know these things, we see them as being sunyata, as being empty, that all things are empty, that they don't have a me or a my to them, they don't have a being, a self, an other there. And so if people criticize us, if they gossip about us, we should ask ourselves and think, um, where am I in that, this person that they're gossiping, where is that person? Is it actually real? And these people, are they actually there? So we see that they are not actually there, and this me is not actually correct. It's just a collection of four elements. So when we receive any sense impressions, then the sense consciousness arises. The mind then starts to proliferate, giving rise to sankharas. And then there are these feelings of uh, pleasure or displeasure that arise. But we can ask ourselves, all of these happy feelings that we've had before, where are they now? And we see that they're not here, but the mind still attaches to them. It still takes it as me who felt that way. I had this feeling of happiness, of sadness, of or a neutral feeling. Uh, but if we contemplate, then we can tell ourselves that these things, they're not actually there, right? There's not actually a me. There's uh, doesn't possess a me or a mine. There isn't this presence of a being, a self, an other. We see clearly like this, that these things aren't actually there, that they aren't actually there, and I is not correct. And uh, all these things just follow the laws of nature, of anicca, dukkha, anatta. Through seeing this, the heart becomes empty, the heart releases its grip on the things that it attached to. And uh, this is due to using these objects of vipassana, of anicca, dukkha, anatta, and taking these objects as uh, the, the focal point of the heart, what the heart refers to, and it allows the mind to let go, to not experience suffering. Because we see that whenever we attach to anything, that brings us burden, it causes us to experience heaviness. And uh, we see that all of these five khandas are heavy things. Uh, this form, the feelings, the perceptions or memory, uh, thoughts, and sense consciousness, uh, these are heavy things. But if we don't attach to them, they're not heavy. And just like if there's a rock there, if we don't pick it up, it's not heavy. But once we lift it, then it is heavy. And maybe that rock is made out of natural minerals, which are very expensive. It's um, very valuable. But if it's 30 kgs, then it's still heavy. And if we don't put it down, then we'll be constantly experiencing that burden. And so the mind, which has been deluded for such a long time, its initial reaction to anything is to attach. 
If we have wisdom, however, teaching our minds, then we can tell them, don't attach. These things, they're not reliable. These things are not sure. We look after our minds. We follow up on what they're doing, and then we let go. And is it enough to just practice in this way? Well, it is enough if we can let go. And that's what the great teachers have said, that we don't need to explain these things to our minds in a very detailed way if they're able to let go through these brief uh, teachings. So just like how we can touch uh, one of our hands with the other hand and feel the bones there underneath the skin, if we're able to see that this is just elements, there's no me there, there's no mind there, there's no being, no self, no other, um, then that's good enough. We can ask ourselves, what is this? And we can respond that it's not self, it's empty. And here the mind becomes empty. Now, due to these objects of vipassana, of anicca, dukkha, anatta. So we train ourselves like this. If we become delighted by something, we can ask ourselves what it is that we're delighted in. If there's a feeling there, we can ask ourselves why are we attaching to that feeling that all of these things arise and cease, arise and cease. And it's not right to take them as a self. And so whenever we get these feelings of attraction or aversion, and we see that what they're based in just arises and ceases, uh, that there's this form, there's feeling, there's perception, there's uh, these thoughts and emotions and there's sense consciousness, but all of this arises and ceases. All of that which we've experienced in the past has arisen and ceased already. That which we're experiencing in the present is arising and ceasing here now. And all of that which we will experience in the future will arise and cease in the future. So we'll see that really there's no true self there within any of it. And so we train our minds um, in this way um, to gain this kind of understanding. And, uh, and then we can recollect, um, oh, sorry, we see that all things are empty and that all things have a Buddha, the Buddha, or this Buddha nature there within them, that uh, this nature of awakening is there within everything. Through seeing this, the mind becomes very at ease and uh, calm and peaceful. And uh, there's no need to doubt about this. You know, we just practice in this way. You do a lot of chanting, for instance, chant and chant, and this is for the sake of inner peace. Or whatever meditation object we use, looking at the breath, for instance, this is to bring our minds to peace. And all throughout the day we should do this. We should keep our minds with this object, always have our meditation with us, not just allow our minds to do as they want. Whether we're standing, walking, sitting, lying down, we keep our mindfulness, always chanting, always being aware of what's going on. Cultivating our meditation objects, um, bringing the mind to a peaceful state where they're able to gain an understanding, where the body and the mind both become buoyant, and the mind is able to let go. But sometimes we lose our meditation objects. Um, the mind becomes distracted, and then it loses its peace as well. And I had experienced this myself when I was a younger monk at Wat Nambapong, and we were working, uh, building 
the Ubosuta hall, and it was 11 p.m., and uh, the monks were doing this work, uh, passing these buckets of dirt from left to right, left to right, and we were chatting. But after, or when it got to 11 p.m., then I got quite tired, and so I brought my mindfulness back, and I stopped talking. I just had my mindfulness over passing these buckets from left to right, and the mind became very still here. Both the body and the mind were very bright. And so we can do this when we're doing walking meditation as well, just keep walking until we're tired, and when the body's exhausted, then we'll drop into peace. Or we can sit for long periods and struggle against the painful feelings that we experience, because it's normal that the mind can be in quite a scattered uh, space, or be thinking a lot, but when there are these painful feelings present, the mind stops its thinking. And uh, the mind's there with that pain, trying to fight against it, and trying to separate out the mind from these painful sensations until it's able to do that. So we can train ourselves like this at times, but for people whose health is not so good, they need to be very cautious about this practice. So we should always be following on up on what our minds are doing. What are they feeling? Do they have greed, hatred, and delusion there? And what are these defilements um, getting involved in? Where do they come from? And mostly they're involved with attachment to the body, being deluded around the body having greed, hatred, and delusion over the body. And uh, when we attach to the body, then we should come to contemplate it and see it as it deteriorates, see it as being something that's empty, separating out all the elements there, seeing that there's nothing really there. And uh, when we can do this, we'll see that there really isn't a me present within it, that we pull the body apart and see there's no self But for now, we need to depend upon this body in order to build up goodness in this life. We need to nurture this rupa, this form, uh, to keep it healthy, and so that we can study about Dhamma, so we can cultivate peace. And so sometimes in this practice, we'll be experiencing inner peace, and sometimes not. And if not, then we need to endure. We listen to the Dhamma a lot, try to train our minds, try to meditate, Do this constantly without letting up. And uh, we really put in our efforts, really throw in our efforts. And we have this belief that uh, this practice will take us to the end of suffering, that the Buddha really was attained to uh, the Dhamma, that this Dhamma will take us out of suffering, and that the uh, noble, there are noble beings who have attained to the Dhamma, who have practiced this way and experienced the fruits from themselves, that these things are real. So we really have our intention in this practice. We uh, really put ourselves into the practice, and in not long, we'll experience peace. We train ourselves like this and do this every single day. In monks, we have the time to practice, so we should do it a lot. For the lay people, when you're working, but you don't have to think about what you're working uh, on, then you should chant, go through this chant of itipiso. And then when the mind is peaceful, then you can contemplate uh, on this chant about these great virtues of the Buddha. Take this word buddho, for example, which means the one who knows, the awakened one, the joyful one. 
We can ask ourselves, what is it that he knows? What did he awaken to? Why is he joyful? Well, he knew these four noble truths. Knew that all physicality and mentality is unstable, is stressful, is not self. He woke up from delusion. He wasn't attached to anything. Didn't have any kilesas there in the heart. And so the heart's always in a joyous joyous state. There's no unskillful qualities there within the heart. And so the heart has attained to the highest freedom. And freedom from all of these defilements. So when we chant uh, this itipiso, we do that for inner peace. And then when we have this inner peace, then we can contemplate these uh, aspects of the Dhamma. That the Buddha is the uh, one who knows, the awakened one, the joyful one. He knew that all physicality and mentality is not me. So we take our minds to contemplate in this way, seeing all physicality and mentality as being something unstable, seeing the Dhamma like this, and this happens little by little. So we should all put our efforts into this, to carry on without retreating. And it's possible for lay people to see and understand the Dhamma in this way as well. To see that all things are conventions, that there isn't a name to anything, that a glass doesn't actually have a name, a house, a city, a country, it doesn't actually have a name, Uh, that people don't have names, male and female are not actually real. That all these things arise, um, or are conventions. And uh, what do they come from? Um, Well, they arise or they are just composed from elements. And uh, we can see this in terms of modern science as well, that all the things of this world are composed of elements. And uh, Buddhism, we have these four elements, and there's the earth element, the things that are hard, uh, the liquid things are the water, um, such as the blood in this body. Then there's heat, which is the fire element, and there's uh, the breath that comes and goes in this body, which is the air element. And an example we can give is like uh, a cow that has been slaughtered and the butcher is working on cutting it up. And so they put the different parts of the cow into different heaps. So we can separate out um, a cow, for instance, and separate the earth into one heap and the water into one heap, the air, the fire into other heaps, and contemplate them and separate out that earth and see there isn't anything there. You separate out that water, there's nothing there. The same with the fire, the same with the air. And we do this um, with ourselves, with people, separate them out like this, see that there's no me, there's no other to them. And if we train our minds in this way, then we'll be able to see the emptiness inherent within all these things. So we need to contemplate like this, and so that we can see this emptiness. And so if there are any feelings of attraction or aversion, we could ask ourselves, who is feeling that? If people abuse us or scold us, who's abusing us? There's no person there. There's no one who's being abused. Uh, That all of these things are sunyata, they're all empty. And we teach our minds, and if they can accept, then that's all right. Whenever any feeling comes up, we tell our minds, this thing is inconstant, this thing is not self. And this is citta nupasana, satipatthana, uh, the foundation of mindfulness over the mind. 
And it's something quite basic, quite easy. Um, if there's great hatred and delusion, then we teach ourselves this isn't sure, this isn't this isn't constant. If there's an absence of greed, hatred, and delusion, this is unsure, this is inconstant. And our minds then can let go of any of these sense impressions. But if they're not able to let go, then we need to explain. We need to give a full explanation. And uh, like if someone verbally abuses us, we need to explain to our minds that there's not actually a person there. And that person who uh, receives that is not actually there either. Just like how we explain things to a child that they don't yet understand, so we need to teach them. We need to gradually, steadily explain these things. And so we also um, give our minds these teachings as well, to lay, lay it out for them. If our minds are well established in samadhi, then it's quite easy. But if they don't have this settled nature, then it's something quite difficult. So this training in samadhi and having mindfulness is something that's very important. The restraint of our body, of our minds, um, to have a firm foundation over our bodies and minds. And uh, so I'm very happy that there are many people who have come to study the Dhamma with us every single night, who have come to meditate, who have come to listen to these teachings, and it's uh, increasing the number of people who are joining us. And uh, what we're doing is we're learning about these teachings of the Buddha. We're learning about physicality, about mentality, learning about how to establish our mindfulness in the Satipatthanas. And uh, really it's something that's quite basic. We just have our mindfulness here over the body, over feelings, over the mind, over the Dhamma. But the Dhamma is something quite subtle, and we need a lot of wisdom to be able to uh, to place our minds on the Dhamma um, and gain understanding. Uh, so if we're not yet to that point, then we can come and look at our minds, for example, and see that these things are inconstant. And uh, if we're not able to let go of our attachments, then we need to explain. And if someone uh, criticizes us and we feel averse to that, then we need to lay it out for our minds that uh, there's no being there. Make sure the mind is well established uh, in peace. And uh, if we don't have much peace, or if someone verbally abuses us, we get angry, we need to keep our sila first to make sure we don't speak out of anger. Even though we may want to say many different things, we don't do that. And so we have this restraint of our actions, of body and speech, training ourselves like this every single day, and training ourselves in this path that takes us to the end of suffering. And uh, the mind has been deluded in the objects of this world for such a long time now. It's uh, been deluded about me and about mine. That there are really people there, that these bodies, um, they actually belong to ourselves or to others. But we need to contemplate to see that they don't actually belong to anyone, that they're a residence of sickness, that all kinds of illnesses come up in them, that the cells deteriorate and uh, the good cells get destroyed, um, such as all the people who get cancer these days. Even though they may no, not want to get that, still they get it all the same. 
And why is that? It's because these illnesses, they reside within the body. So can we actually take this body to be me? So we practice in order to correct the delusion that we have. We can ask ourselves, why were we born? We were born for the sake of developing our parami, of getting an understanding into the Dhamma. And uh, gaining an understanding of the things of this world. Um, Because if we don't gain this understanding, then we need to be born in this world for many, many times. The amount of births that we have left are great. And, uh, And that's just what happens if we don't have mindfulness, if we don't have wisdom. We're stuck in this world for such a long time. But if we want to reduce the number of births, then we need to train our minds. We need to walk this path that leads us out of suffering, to cultivate our hearts, to do this a lot, to not be heedless, because many of us are quite old already. We need to really firmly set our minds on this path, to be chanting a lot, to do this all day, to go through many, many rounds of Itipiso 108 times to not be heedless, to be developing samadhi. And if we do this, then not long, uh, then the mind will be relieved from these feelings of liking and disliking. It will be able to see that all of these sense impressions are empty. Um, that, And will gain a real understanding um, into uh, this noble path, that the noble path comes together, maga samaki. We'll see the Buddha there. And we'll see that this state that we have reached has such immense value. So we need to develop our minds. We need to polish our hearts so that they become bright. Because the mind that is uh, caught up in delusion is a dark mind. But when we develop the mind uh, to become bright, then it will gain this inner nature of awakening. So may all of you set your hearts on this.